the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Today, we're on 9.30 a.m., The Answer, and you'll find our podcast on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, really, you can find a podcast, and you can stream from www.talklawradio.com. So today... We're going to be talking about several different subjects, but before we get started, let me mention our sponsor, Marquardt Law Firm. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Also, new businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, The material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations will vary. Therefore, the information contained here should be only relied upon when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us of our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners today about legal aid, defamation, and sentimental personal property. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today's show is unique. I don't have a guest here today, so I'll be talking about some different topics, including sentimental value of property, 
legal aid, and defamation. If you have a question about any of those things, give us a call at 210-308-8867. We're on 930 AM The Answer. I'll answer these questions live if you want. Or you can post a comment in the comments section of the Facebook live feed. If you want to find me on Facebook, uh, just search for Talk Law Radio and look for Lady Justice in the red, white, and blue colors. And then you can find the live feed and post a comment and a question. I'll be checking throughout the show. It's been a while since I talked about my own background and biography, so I thought I would just mention it for new listeners. Uh, I've been on the show for almost three years now, and I talked about it a little bit when I first started, but I'll talk about it again. I'm actually from New Mexico, a little city called Alamogordo. You may have read about the Trinity site where the first atomic bomb was tested. That's near Alamogordo. After graduating high school there, I attended Texas Tech University. I played the sousaphone in the Goan band from Raiderland, and I played the alto saxophone in, in the concert band. And my plan was to be a musician, um, but I changed my major three times that semester and uh, went a different route. When my first son was born, uh, we moved to Las Cruces, New Mexico. This was uh, about a year and a half into my undergraduate uh, education. Las Cruces, New Mexico is home to New Mexico State University. We're the Aggies there, too. And that's where I graduated with a Bachelor in Arts in Government, Law and Society, and Political Theory. After graduating, I worked for the New Mexico Land Office in Santa Fe. Uh, Then we moved to San Antonio, here, where I attended and graduated from St. Mary's University School of Law. Since then, I worked for an estate planning attorney and started my own practice. Um, I also have an article called Reliance on Government Programs and the Struggle for Long-Term Care, That was published uh, by the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys in 2006. So that's a little bit about my background. Going along with wills, trusts, and legacy and inheritance planning are uh, sentimental things. What does it mean to be sentimental? Well, Oxford defines sentimental as of or prompted by feelings of tenderness, sadness, or nostalgia. An example, quote, she felt a sentimental attachment to the place creep over her, end quote. There's some other definitions I have here, too. I thought I, thought I did. Anyway, we'll go with that, sentimental feelings. Some people are sentimental about their real estate, Uh, I once officed with an attorney who was sentimental about the building that he owned. He had been officing there, I think, for over 50 years. And the building was like his friend. 
and he didn't really want to change anything. It was fine just the way it is. And uh, if he was going to sell it, it was going to get a hefty price because to him, the value wasn't just in what a willing buyer would pay a willing seller given all the relevant information. He attached a, a premium charge to that because of the intrinsic value that that he had for it through his sentimental feelings. Some people are sentimental about their uh, ranch land or their farmland. Uh, I have met quite a few clients that were sentimental about uh, land that had been in the family for generations, and so they attach feelings to it. Um, Some people will say that their land is priceless, meaning they they don't want to sell it because money couldn't give them the same feelings that the land gives them. Even some people that are inheriting a single-family residential property feel the same way. They grew up there, uh, they had a happy childhood or, or whatever, and they have sentimental feelings attached to the property. And they'll bend over backwards to hold on to it, even if it's a financial hardship for them, because they want to keep it. I have met some uh, beneficiaries of estates that were sentimental about their parents' home. They wanted to keep it around in the family just to go back to Um, to visit every now and then. Uh, I don't know if they ever do that, actually. Uh, My feeling would be uh, that they might be too busy with their own lives to come back just to visit uh, a property that, you know, may not uh, have the same feelings over the years. But at the time they inherit it, they say, no, I'm going to hold on to it. I don't want to sell it just yet because... I have so many positive feelings attached to it. You're here with Todd Marquardt on Talk Law Radio. We're talking about sentimental property and assets. So we're going to take a one-minute break. Stay tuned. estate questions have profound impacts on your business or estate. Changes of ownership to your real estate could impact your business or your legacy to your children and grandchildren. It may be less expensive to prevent a mistake than to correct one. If you have real estate questions, it's a good idea to contact an attorney who focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're talking about sentimental assets and property, and this may have a bearing on your estate planning, your last will or living trust. And so I've noticed many people have sentimental feelings attached to real estate. 
And let's say that more than one beneficiary is going to inherit a house or other real estate. When that happens, actually they're becoming co-tenant partners of that property. And sometimes one of the co-tenant partners does not want to keep the property. If the other property owner does want to keep it, then you have somewhat of a disagreement or dispute about what to do. Uh, One co-tenant partner wants to sell. The other co-tenant partner doesn't want to sell. So what do you do then? One thing, you can ask the court to partition the property, either in kind or the court can order it to be sold because in Texas, at least, uh, we cannot be forced into a partnership. And so if one party wants to sell, uh, the court can order it. But let's uh, think about a different kind of property, not just a single-family residential dwelling. Maybe it is a ranch property, and maybe it could be divided into two. That's what we call partition in kind. Well, I was reading some of the law on this, and I ran across uh, some factors that judges will consider when partitioning a property in kind, and, well, I'll just go through all of them in case you're interested. The factors to be considered are whether the heir's property practically can be divided among the co-tenants. You know, can you draw a line on that property? Whether partitioning kind would would apportion the property in such a way that the fair market value resulting from the division would be less than the value if sold as a whole because uh, the person that's selling wouldn't want to take a lower portion of the value, some percentage of it. Let's see. Number three, evidence of the collective duration of ownership or possession of the property by a co-tenant and one or more predecessors in title or predecessors in possession to the co-tenant who are or were relatives of the co-tenant or each other. Number four, a co-tenant's sentimental attachment to the property, including any attachment arising because the property has ancestral or other unique or special value to the co-tenant. So there we go. It is a factor in partitioning a property in kind. What else would we be sentimental about? Call me at 210-308-8867 and let us know what you are sentimental about. One thing I hear a lot that people are sentimental about are their pets. My mom used to call them uh, non-human family members or furry family members. And so there was this court case called Strickland versus Medlin uh, from 2013. It's a Texas case. And the question was whether pets have a sentimental value, whether uh, you can recover sentimental value in the loss of a pet. So in this case, uh, the Medlin's dog 
escaped from their backyard and was picked up by animal control. When one of the the owners went to get the dog, he didn't have enough money to pay the shelter's fee, but was told he could return four days later. A hold-for-owner tag was placed on the dog's cage. But, tragically, the dog was euthanized before the owner returned on the agreed date. The Medlins sued one of the shelter employees for the negligent death of their dog. They saw it sentimental or intrinsic value because the dog had little or no market value. So when when you lose something because of the wrongdoing of somebody else, you have to measure the damages somehow, and market value would be, you know, the starting place. Say you lost a, a car or you or something else was damaged, like your table and chairs. Well, what would it cost to replace it? That's what market value would be, or replacement value. And so with pets, though, some pets cost a lot of money, and some pets don't cost a lot. If you have a a mixed breed that uh, is not an award-winning champion uh, at some type of dog show or pet show, then maybe it's not going to be worth a lot of money. Maybe you can just get that dog for free <laughs> through the want ads. Uh, funny side note, when I was a kid, there was this paper called The Thrifty Nickel, and in that paper I would see a lot of ads that said, Free to Good Home. And I would always tell my dad that he should have a dog. <laughs> um, but he he didn't really want a dog. Um, my parents were divorced, so I lived with my mom, and, and we had a dog, which I'll tell you a story about one of, one of our dogs in just a moment. Uh, but that reminded me of the thrifty nickel. Okay, so this court case where Medlin was suing the employee at the shelter was all about whether this pet had sentimental value or whether you could recover the sentimental value in the wrongful uh, euthanization of this pet. So some people weighed in on this. Uh, You hear this with the Supreme Court where people will write, uh, amicus briefs to sort of sway the, the court's opinion. Well, I guess um, they did that in this case, too, even though it was just in, in the Texas appeals court for Fort Worth. Um, Strickland's petition for review was supported by American Kennel Club, the Cat Fanciers, Association, the Pet Industry Joint Advisory Council, and the Texas Veterinary Medical Association. Okay, so ultimately the court found that, yes, pets have sentimental value, um, but you have to prove that. You have to testify, and the jury or the judge, whoever the fact finder is, has to believe you. So... It's not just automatic, going to get millions of dollars because you loved your pet. 
You have to prove it. So here's how it, it resonates with me. Something similar happened to my dog, Taffy, uh, our old Chihuahua. He was a grouchy dog. He barked at everybody. And especially he barked at other dogs that might be running by. We had a chain link fence, and he could see every dog that was running by. And so he would, very common for him to be barking. I don't know exactly what happened on this particular day, but I know that when I returned home from lunch, I saw a note on the door that said, uh, your dog, your chihuahua, is at the vet. You should go there. And what my mom learned later after talking to the vet, talking to animal control, and uh, investigating all of this, is she learned that there were two Great Dane dogs found in our yard, uh, and one of them had been had my chihuahua in its mouth, and it was swinging him around. So, tragically, he passed away, and the owner of the Great Dane uh, was charged with some a misdemeanor for having a, a a vicious dog that was reckless or something. And so that dog had to be put down. In addition to that, my mom filed a civil lawsuit in the Justice of the Peace Court uh, for his loss. And so she knew what the market value of him was because she had bought him many years earlier. And she also asked for uh, special damages because of uh, the sentimental value that she had for him and for me. See, there, there was this old wives' tale that a chihuahua would take your asthma. And when I was a kid, I had asthma. And uh, uh, that dog took my asthma. And we we loved him for that. <laughs> I don't know if that's really what happened or if I just grew out of the asthma um, a lot of chihuahuas do have asthma on their own, so I think that's probably where the old wives' tale connection comes from. Anyway, I can attest to the sentimental value of pets. Some people are sentimental about their stuff. The Texas Supreme Court has recognized the right of persons to recover for the loss of sentimental value of personal property in a court case called City of Tyler versus Likes. It's a Texas Supreme Court 1997 case. And so, but you have to prove it. You have to testify to that. Let's see what they said here. Um, some damaged property could have a small market value, but have their primary value in sentiment. Such property can only be adequately valued subjectively as opposed to objectively, like where you can check the prices on the Internet. Special rules apply in a suit to recover for the loss of property that is primarily of sentimental value. It is a matter of common knowledge that items such as these would have no market value, which would adequately 
compensate their owner for their loss or destruction. Such property is not susceptible of supply and reproduction in kind, which means you can't find that same thing somewhere else, like with my chihuahua. There's only God only made one just like him, and so another chihuahua is not going to be the same. So the court will take into consideration the feelings of the owner for such property. That's the sentimental value. So uh, you probably have to work pretty hard to prove sentimental value, and uh, the court is only going to consider it if you um, have good testimony about that. And another thing, uh, the sentimental value of property, let's say you're trying to recover something that has no uh, market value, well, are you going to want to take that case to court? Are you going to want to pay court costs and legal fees and uh, spend your time and energy to fight for that uh, when it's going to be so expensive to prosecute those claims? That's a good question that only you can answer. What would your budget be for that? And a lot of times when I talk to people about the expenses of litigation, um, they decide that uh, that's too expensive. We're going to take another break. You're here with Talk Law Radio, Todd Marquardt. Stay tuned. to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Listen and learn about your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today's show is unique. Usually I have a guest. There's no guest here today. We're talking about a few different topics, including sentimental value, legal aid, and defamation. And we just finished up talking about sentimental value of real estate of family farms and ranches, uh, the sentimental value of the single-family dwelling uh, that maybe somebody grew up in. We're going to be talking about legal aid. Uh, That's, uh, well, let's define it. Okay, so the Oxford Dictionary defines legal aid as free legal advice or representation for a person who cannot afford it. Okay, here's another definition by Merriam-Webster. Aid provided by an organization established especially to serve the legal needs of the poor. Encyclopedia Britannica defines legal aid as the professional legal assistance given, either at no charge or for a nominal sum, to indigent persons in need of such help. And the Cambridge English Dictionary defines it as money to help people pay the cost of using lawyers, courts of law, etc. Okay, so for people that can't afford it. So where do you find legal aid? Well, here in San Antonio, I have a whole list. 
There's uh, Caritas Legal Services through Catholic Charities, which provides comprehensive, low-cost legal aid in civil, probate, and immigration uh, to individuals and families seeking a secure future. You can reach them at 210-455-6105 or visit the website CCA. O S is in Sam A dot org slash legal dash services. There's San Antonio Legal Services Association. This is for veterans and military spouses only. This they provide free legal advice to low income veterans and their families facing a variety of civil legal problems. You can apply for help on their website at www.sa-lsinsama.org slash veterans to see if you qualify. Then there's St. Mary's University School of Law Clinical Program where they assist with civil justice, criminal justice, and immigration and human rights. You can call them at 210 436 3840, or visit their website at law.stmarytx.edu slash academics slash special dash programs slash clinics. Then we have Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid, or TRLA for short, which provides free legal services to low-income people facing most forms of civil legal problems, including bankruptcies and foreclosures, divorces and custody arrangements, consumer fraud, wills and estates, assessing public benefits, landlord-tenant disputes, and litigating for civil and environmental rights. Their phone number is 888-988-988. 9996, or you can visit their website at www.trla.org. Here's another one that I really didn't know about. It has a 512 area code, um, but it was listed on the San Antonio Bar Association website as providing legal aid. So it's called Texas Accountants and Lawyers for the Arts, or T-A-L-A for short. They provide services, include lawyer and accountant pro bono assistance for artists, patent pro bono assistance for inventors, dispute resolution services, and educational programs for the artistic and business communities. Call them at 512-459-8252 or visit their website, www.talarts.org. Okay, so those are some programs. If you think that you can't afford legal services, contact those places and maybe they will be able to help. So the next question is, how do I know if I qualify? Well, you can look at 
what the federal poverty level is. A lot of these programs base eligibility on the federal poverty level, so you can Google that. And sometimes it's a percentage of federal poverty. Uh, 100% would be whatever the poverty level is. Uh, 125% would be um, a little bit more. So it depends on the size of your family, and then they just look at what your income is and compare it next to that benchmark. If you're below that benchmark, then you qualify. You might have to bring your tax return or your W-2. Somehow you've got to prove what your income is to see if you're eligible. There is a state agency called Texas Access to Justice um, that tries to oversee and be the umbrella for some of these programs, at least the state-sponsored ones. And you can donate to these programs, too, donate money, because even if the lawyers that are participating in these programs are, are not charging anything, it still has some administrative cost uh, somewhere along the line. Maybe it's just the paper that everything's printed on. Um, usually stuff has to be printed or filing fees. So if you want to help somehow give um, the indigent or the poor access to the legal system, you could just provide money. Or if you're a lawyer, you can uh, provide services. I have uh, served in the uh, legal clinic um, doing wills before. And St. Mary's is a great resource for that. Hopefully they're still doing that. And so having a will is important. And if you can get it done through St. Mary's, go ahead. Also, uh, Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid, uh, I recommend them for a lot of people as well. Okay, so... That Those are some resources for legal aid. Just wanted you to know about it. And if you have a family member or a friend that, that needs access to justice, you can always Google that, Google legal aid in San Antonio, and you can find those resources easily there. I'd like to have uh, each someone from each of those programs on my show, so I'm going to be looking forward to reaching out to them for that. Today is just a summary of legal aid and uh, definite defamation and also sentimental property. Okay, I'm going to get into defamation a little bit before the break, and then we'll talk about some cases after we come back from the break. What does defamation mean? Oxford defines it as the action of damaging the good reputation of someone. Uh, related, related to defamation is slander or libel. Libel would be defamatory statements that are published in print. Uh, slander is our dem- defamatory comments that are spoken or heard, and so all of that falls under defamation. Texas has a a defamation law. Let's see if I can find it here. 
So defamation is when somebody says something about you that causes your reputation to be harmed. Okay, in the Civil Practice and Remedies Code of Texas, Title IV, Chapter 73, Libel, Section 73.001, Elements of Libel. A libel is a defamation expressed in written or other graphic form that tends to blacken the memory of the dead or that tends to injure a living person's reputation and thereby expose the person to public hatred, contempt, or ridicule, or financial injury, or to impeach any person's honesty, integrity, virtue, or reputation, or to publish the natural defects of anyone, and thereby expose the person to public hatred, ridicule, or financial injury. Wow, that sounds really serious. We're here on Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're going to take a one-minute break. We'll be right back, so stay tuned. estate questions have profound impacts on your business or estate. Changes of ownership to your real estate could impact your business or your legacy to your children and grandchildren. It may be less expensive to prevent a mistake than to correct one. If you have real estate questions, it's a good idea to contact an attorney who focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, and we're talking about sentimental stuff, sentimental property, sentimental real estate, sentimental tangible personal property, and also defamation. And we, I also talked about legal aid and what that is and how you can access it if you need that. The thing that reminded me about defamation that got me interested this week was the the story that was published about uh, Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels, whose real name is uh, Stephanie Clifford. Uh, she's described as the adult film actress. I'll let you read into that what you will. Anyway, there was a, a court that said that she had to pay Donald Trump, $300,000 in attorney's fees. And it's all relating back to a defamation lawsuit that she filed against him that was dismissed. And so then he sued for attorney's fees. So you might not be surprised to hear that the defamatory comment was written in a tweet by Donald Trump. And so the reason that Stormy Daniels filed the the defamation lawsuit against her uh, was because she said that it caused 
damage to her reputation. Let's see. From from the lawsuit, it said, Mr. Trump knew that his false disparaging statement would be read by people around the world as well as widely reported and that Ms. Daniels would be subjected to threats of violence, economic harm, and reputational damage as a result. Um, I don't know about all that. Threats of violence, economic harm, maybe, but violence, wow. Okay, well, here here's part of the, the tweet. Let me give you some background before I say what the tweet was. So she had said that um, someone approached her in a parking lot and sort of threatened her daughter, and she went and had a sketch drawn up of the person that made that threat. And so in response, Donald Trump tweeted, a sketch, quote, a sketch years later about a non-existent man, period, a total con job, comma, playing the fake news media for fools, open parentheses, but they know it, close parentheses, exclamation point, end quote. The reason I I say what the um, punctuation is there is because he doesn't really speak or tweet in complete sentences. So that's um, that was the tweet. And so I guess the fact that it said, uh, it questioned her, uh, her honesty there by saying it was non-existent man, it was a total con job, um, that was going to cause some reputational damage to her. And um, the judge said no, that the First Amendment protects that type of tweet because it was rhetorical hyperbole, and the judge defined rhetorical hyperbole as extravagant exaggeration employed for a rhetorical effect and characterized Donald Trump's tweet as having, quote, an incredulous tone suggesting that the content of his tweet was not meant to be understood as a literal statement about Daniels, end quote. And the judge continued, quote, Instead, Mr. Trump sought to use language to challenge Daniel's account of her affair and the threat that she purportedly received in 2011. So there is a United States Supreme Court case uh, where all of this originates called Sullivan v. New York Times. And... That court case uh, arose in the 1960s um, when the New York Times published an ad for uh, asking for donations to defend Martin Luther King Jr. uh, on perjury charges. The ad contained several minor factual inaccuracies, and uh, the city public safety officer, L.B. Sullivan, felt like the criticism of his subordinates reflected on him, even though his name was not mentioned in the ad. And so he filed a libel action against the New York Times asking for $500,000 in damages. 
And uh, he was awarded that. And the state Supreme Court affirmed the decision, and the New York Times appealed all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And the United States Supreme Court said to sustain a claim of defamation or libel, the First Amendment requires that the plaintiff show that the defendant knew that a statement was false or reckless in deciding to publish the information without investigating whether it was accurate. And the, the Supreme Court said, uh, through Justice Brennan, that when a statement concerns a public figure, the court held it is not enough to show that it's false uh, for the press to be liable. Instead, the target of the statement must show that it was made with knowledge of or reckless disregard for its falsity. So the standard's different if you're a public official. Standard's different also if you're famous. Uh, We're not going to get into that, just letting you know. So there's some interesting uh, cases in regards to defamation, slander, and libel. Um, If you have a question or comment about that, give us a call here at the station at 210-308-8867. We just have a couple of minutes left. Okay, I want to talk about more sentimental stuff because in the fourth segment of our show, I like to talk about legacy uh, because we're all thinking about legacy when we're planning our last will, living trust, or tax-protected inheritance plan. And it's often a sentimental time when you're uh, talking to your estate planning attorney about your will. Uh, This came to my mind a couple of weeks ago. I read online about Timbuktu's legacy. Timbuktu as a place. Well, I'll get back to that later. Google digitized and translated 40,000 manuscripts that were found in Timbuktu containing knowledge of a wide range of subjects. The individuals who protected these manuscripts lived in Timbuktu. That's why they're called uh, Timbuktu's legacy. It's really the legacy of the whole city. The individuals who protected these manuscripts, um, we don't even know who they are. They're, They're just lumped in because they all lived in the city. But people are studying these manuscripts. And so I think that whoever the people are that protected this, um, are achieved their goal. I mean, they protected it for some reason. And they were protected because there was a, a lot of volatility going on in the region, and they had to be moved um, from other cities to be protected there. So this is Timbuktu's legacy. Let's define that. How does Oxford define legacy? They define it as money or property that is given to you by someone when they die. Uh, YourDictionary.com defines legacy as something handed down from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. So I'd like to ask, when, what have you saved and protected over the years? so that those who come after you 
will benefit or enjoy it. Well, it reminded me of my mom. Many of you know that she passed away this last December, and my brothers and my sister and I divided up her tangible personal property among ourselves. We found many things that she saved and protected throughout the years. Some of them were her school yearbooks, greeting cards she received from birthdays, Mother's Days, Christmases, photos, thousands of photos in boxes, scrapbooks, baby books, uh, a couple, a few love letters from boyfriends we never knew from before any of us were born. Something interesting I found Name badges from every place of employment, every position that she held. Lots of books, Bibles, devotion books, history books, and dozens of cookbooks. She was an excellent cook. She even saved some of my stuff, such as a a spiral notebook of drawings that I made when I was three years old. And even remarkable are the photo albums that my mom's mom, my mamma, saved. These are all sentimental, tangible, personal property things. Examples that you might think about saving for your kids or grandkids. Now, some people are annoyed by the stuff that their children have left behind. Um, But, you know, maybe... You'll look back on that, or maybe they will, decades later, and think of fond memories. Okay, so we're wrapping up our show. We've been talking about sentimental personal property, sentimental real estate. We talked about legal aid. Hopefully you have a resource now about how to find uh, free or low-cost legal services if you're indigent or considered to be living in poverty as defined by the federal government. We talked a little bit about defamation, libel, and slander. And so now I'd like to close with a prayer. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to spread your word on the radio. Please help those people who are facing injustice to find a legal resource to right the wrong. Please help those people who cannot afford an attorney because they are living in poverty to find the legal aid that they need. I remember our hope and assurance is in Jesus Christ. Grant us strength and courage through times of persecution until Jesus comes again. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.